Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For connectors, cables, and more, visit them at a ham fest near you or call 920-435-2973 or online at pl-259.com. It's Ham Radio with Neil Rapp. Here we go. Welcome to Ham Talk Live. Call in, let's talk. Neil's your guy. Ham Talk Live. Here we go on Ham Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. It's time once again for Ham Talk Live. It's episode number 120, Field Day Q&A 2018, recorded live on Thursday, June 21st, 2018. I'm your host, Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ham Talk Live. Tonight, we're joined by Bart Yonke, W9JJ, and David Isker, N1RSN, and we'll take your calls live in just a few minutes. Last week, Dr. Ralph Fedor, K0IR, was here to talk about the adventures to Buffet Island, uh, attempting to complete uh, yet another de-expedition. If you missed that show, you can listen anytime. Just go to hamtalklive.com. And you can listen to any episode there, or you can catch our podcast edition over on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeart Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, SoundCloud, or your favorite app. And we're also on YouTube. So get your field day questions ready to go. After the interview, you'll have a chance to call in or tweet in. Um, If you call us, I'll give you the telephone number. It's not time to call just yet, but that phone number is 812-NET. Ham one eight one two six three eight four two six one, or you can Skype us. Uh, our Skype name is Ham Talk Live, and you can tweet us at Ham Talk Live on Twitter. And uh, we want to hear from you tonight. We want to take all of your last minute questions, and we want to open up quite a bit of time for the calls and the tweets tonight. But we have plenty to talk about, so. We'll be back with Bart and David right after this word from Tower Electronics here on Ham Talk Live. Hey, honey, have you seen the PL259s anywhere? No, I haven't. Come on, kids. Let's go. There's just one place to go for all of your connector needs. Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics. A giant warehouse of connectors and adapters for every occasion. Thousands to choose from in every shape, size, and color. And they have antennas, soldering supplies, cables, meters, and more. Or where do you go if you want to buy a connector at a fraction of retail cost? Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics. And this weekend only, take advantage of our special liquid sale. 
Buy nine solder type PL259s. Get the tenth one for just one penny. One penny, penny. They make great Christmas presents. And what better way to say I love you than with the gift of a PL259? Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics. Hi, I'm Scott Cole, KB9AMM, president of Tower Electronics. I like the company so much that I bought it. Tower Electronics, coming to a hand fest near you or online at pl-259.com. And we're in the yellow pages under Amateur Radio Connectors. My, wherever did you get that lovely PL-259? Tower Electronics, pl-259.com, or call 920-435-2973. Do we sell PL-259 connectors? Who is the most dangerous person in the world? A ham with some wire, a potato gun, and an idea. Now, here's Neil Rapp with more Ham Talk Live. Tower Electronics will be in Oak Creek, Wisconsin, that's South Milwaukee, on July 7th. August 5th, they'll be in Berryville, Virginia, or go to their website, pl-259.com. Well, tonight we're joined by Bart Yonke, W9JJ. He is the ARRL Contest Branch Manager. He served in that role since January 2016, but he's no stranger to ARRL headquarters. Bart started working at ARRL in 1985 as the editor of the ARRL Repeater Directory, and from 1989 till 2005, he was the Volunteer Exam Coordinator Manager at ARRL. He spent 10 years working in the customer service, manufacturing, sales and support, and information technology fields in the Midwest and on the East Coast after that, and uh, now he's back with the league. And David Isker, N1RSN, is a newcomer to ARRL and amateur radio. He became the communications manager at ARRL in October and was just licensed in April. Uh, David has an extensive background in media relations, including 20 years at the University of Hartford as the director of media relations and spent four years as the editor of the Hartford Business Journal. Um, he also spent two years as the Hartford Bureau Chief for Thomson Reuters News Service. So, Bart, David, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us tonight. Neil, yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. Well, we've been uh, been talking here about uh, what to talk about, and, and again, uh, we want to get as many questions in as we can because you, you don't always have the luxury of being able to ask the source of, you know, Hey, what's the ruling on this? What's the clarification on this? And and if you if you do that, a lot of times, you know, you got to do that well in advance. So tonight's kind of the one of the one of the last opportunities you're going to have to ask those questions. So uh, we want to make sure that we uh, give plenty of time for that. But we're going to get a few of the must do things out of the way here first and. And Bart, um, we're looking at rule changes for everybody who's done this for years and, and, you know, did all the rules last year. 
just a few minor tweaks again, just kind of like last year. Uh, let's go over just what the little tweaks were to the rules, but pretty much it's the same thing. It sure is, Neil. And uh, in a nutshell, um, we approached it uh, uh, annually uh, as we do first based on the ARL Board of Directors reviewing uh, field day as an activity and determining what new or different uh, activities or uh, modifications to the rules are required. Uh, during this last review period, they did not have any. Um, so as we approached the new year, we went in, we changed the dates, of course, and uh, made some slight tweaks to the uh, safety officer uh, checklist uh, just to help people who felt that uh, it was a little confusing in some areas. Basically, we just wanted to make it clear for their use that we're looking for them to, to uh, in a nutshell, uh, attempt to uh, meet all of the criteria, but we're not expecting them to be able to. Uh, we just want them to take their best shot at uh, having a safe operation and answering the questions on the checklist. And anything else? Uh, that's it for this uh, this field day. Of course, a number of questions co have come up about uh, how things can uh, be incorporated, especially from the digital mode standpoint, and uh, we may address that here separately under questions, so I don't know if you wanted me to go there quite yet. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll hang on to that, but yeah, FT8 I know is going to be something, and when we'll be sure to, to talk about that. Um, David, uh, you know, field day is one of our biggest on-air events, and uh, it's not just an on-air event. It's it's a public outreach. Um, it's one of the times that we get to kind of show people what uh, hams do. So what advice do you have for groups that are participating to let people know what we're doing and uh, invite them out to the field day sites? Well, uh, Neil, as, as we talk, um, you know, literally 48 hours, I guess, from uh, or so from from the from field day, um, a lot of the uh, the work should have been done already by groups to reach out to members of the media, uh, the traditional media, um, newspapers, radio, TV stations to let them know where you are, um, what you're doing, what you have planned. Um, you know, hopefully folks have been making that contact. We've been sending out uh, information um, to the PIOs um, throughout, uh, throughout uh, amateur radio to try to make them um, aware and give them tips and, and tools to do. Um, but a lot of it comes down to now what you can continue to do on social media, um, to be sending out um, and posting information on Facebook, on Twitter, um, to make people aware in the in the general community, um, all of the all of the people that are following you or that might be looking in uh, in your feeds. And there are still some reporters that are on social media as well, so it's a good uh, good way to to do a last check uh, with them. But um, we encourage people. There's still time to sign up and join. The uh, the face the field day Facebook group that we've set up, um, we're we're adding people to that every day. So we we encourage groups to make sure that they're signing up to that so that they can uh, share what they're doing and see what everybody else is doing. It's a great uh, 
a great community gathering point for uh, for people to be aware of. And we wanted to make sure to mention the hashtag because it always seems like there's you know a dozen different hashtags going around. So make sure you you mention the hashtag. Yeah, we we've set up an official hashtag, which is hashtag A R R L F D. So if you put that on, uh, if folks put that on their posts, uh, number one, we'll be able to to collect that, and then we can share that out over the um, the broader um, ARRL Facebook feeds, and um, and that way um, they can see um, what uh, what other people are doing. We're going to be trying to share as much as they can, so um, so it creates more of a community. But yes, use that hashtag. Um, because we want to share as much as we can over our our network, and when we um, when you put that hashtag on, it allows us to to grab that information and uh, and put it out on our feeds as well. So hashtag A R R L F D. Okay, very good. Now, you know this happens a lot, and and this is something that Bart mentioned. Uh, you know, sometimes media outlets don't pay any attention to what you send them, and then you, you don't get anybody to cover the activity david should they just give up and not bother next year what what's the strategy on that oh a- absolutely not and in fact actually i would suggest that even for a tv station you or the newspaper you could still call them tomorrow and ask them if they're sending anybody um, but in future years um for next if they don't come this year it may not be anything that you did. It may be that there was just so many other events going on and or other conflicts that they had that they could not get there. So don't give up. Um, try it again next year. And also take a look at what you sent them. Maybe there's a way to punch it up to um, for TV stations, especially give them more of a sense of what the visuals are going to be. Talk about the rigs that you're setting up, what kind of antennas, where your group is, everything that you're doing. Um, and, and keep in mind, again, like I said, TV requires good visuals. So try to you know make sure that you offer them the visuals and maybe you'll have, have better luck next year. But I think you know, the, the thing is to keep trying. And, and, um, and I would also say there's a, it's important to... Um, we obviously, you know, use field day as a way to really get attention, but there are things that you can do throughout the year to, to develop relationships with reporters, um, and assignment editors at, um, at newspapers and TV stations throughout the year so that when they, you send them your field day stuff and you follow up with a phone call to them, they're much more receptive to it. Because they know who you are, they are they already have a relationship with you, so I would um, I would recommend doing that as well. And I, I like what you said about you know don't give up because it, you know they may have had so many other things to to uh, cover that day that you know it's not there. If you if you haven't worked in in broadcast media and and uh, journalism, you you may not know that there are these things called slow news days. And, and so I was in Cincinnati a, a few days ago and was watching the TV station. And the one of the top stories was that 
um, this diner chain called Frisch's is switching from Pepsi back to Coke again. <laughs> now, now for people in Cincinnati, that may be a big deal, but still, I didn't think that was quite the top headline. That's what you call a slow news day, and you're more likely to get on on those slower news days when sometimes, you know, everything's happening at once. And, and so it may just be, it just wasn't the year for you. That's absolutely true. I mean, uh, you know, what we find with, especially with TV stations, um, they tend, they tend to be a little, have a fewer personnel on working on, uh, on the weekends. And um, so that, you know, they, there's only a limited number of things that they can cover. So if something big happens, if a tractor trailer truck rolls over on on the interstate or there's a major fire, you know, no matter how good your event is going to be, it's going to be nearly impossible to get them because all the TV crews are going to the fire or going to the, you know, to see the highway shut down or or whatever it is. So. Again, it may not be you. It may just be that there was so much going on that day that they couldn't get there. So, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt to do some, you know, like I said, self-reflection. Take a look at the materials you sent and see if there's ways that you can spice them up for next year. Um, But also after field day, you can start contacting those people again. And maybe during the summer you have other activities going on. You can start developing relationships with them so that when field day comes around in 2019, they know you and they'll take your call and they they'll know that you're going to provide them something worthwhile. So, um, so, you know, relationship building goes on year round and that, you know, you can certainly start that the day after field day is over. All right. All good information there. And, uh, David or Bart, either one of you, uh, let's talk about the uh, field day locator here for a minute. That's uh, an important tool to find a field day location near you. I guess I'll grab that one quick. Uh, Field day locator. So we have this great Google Maps tool uh, called the field day locator, and you can find that off the ARL's uh, website uh, under the field day um, uh, link. And when you scroll down on your page, you'll see Field Day Locator. Click on it, and you'll come up with a great interactive Google Map tool, which will then allow you to, if you're the the media, uh, and you're looking to find out where there are Field Day locations in your area, uh, you can type in a city and state, or if you know a little more about the group, you can also even type in a call sign and uh, find out information about that particular group. You'll see uh, red pins on the map and choose one that's in your area or choose several. When you click on it, it will blow up and expand with contact information uh, about the group that's putting on a field day near you uh, with their uh, the name of their group, uh, the contact person's name and telephone number, address information, etc., to help you find one of those locations or multiple ones. And again, uh, you know, we certainly can't put in enough plugs here to entice the media. Uh, Here's your chance to uh, visit multiple sites that might be in your coverage area. Okay, very good. And one last thing here before we go uh, and take a break and look for some calls and some tweets from all of our listeners. Um, Theme for this year, you want to say something about that? 
so as people have seen, uh, certainly from the ham radio community, uh, each year we have our field day logo. Uh, a couple of years ago, the logo was uh, um, uh, associated with the uh, National Parks on the Air activity, the brown logo with the uh, boot symbol, which is typically a hiking, hiking symbol. Uh, this year, because we have an association with our international grid chase for 2018, uh, we have the grid chase logo showing a checkered, uh, if you will, uh, moving pattern of grids uh, uh, with a focus of field day. So we can talk more about the grid chase later, but uh, in conjunction with this year's field day, we're also promoting the year-long activity of making contacts with as many different one-degree latitude by two-degree longitude grid squares worldwide. All right, very good. Well, we're going to take a break, but we're going to come back and take your calls and your tweets and, and Skype calls uh, right after this word from the National Voice of America Museum of Broadcasting right here on Ham Talk Live. The National Voice of America Museum of Broadcasting, located in Westchester, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati, is only two minutes off I-75. The museum is the former home of the Voice of America Bethany Relay Station. Tours are now available every Saturday and Sunday from 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. You can see the control room, a 200,000-watt transmitter, and the most comprehensive collection of inventions by the iconic Powell Crosley Jr. Also on display is a huge antique radio exhibit and R.L. Drake's personal collection of most every Drake amateur rig ever made. This is a unique opportunity to see amateur radio in action and have a chance to get on the air from WC8VOA. Admission is only $5 a person, the museum is located close to historic WLWAM and tons of shopping and restaurants. Take a trip to the VOA Museum or visit us online at voamuseum.org. CQ Field Day. CQ Field Day. This is Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. Ham Talk Live is on the air every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time right here at HamTalkLive.com. And be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And it's time for your calls now. So if you have a question for Bart and or David, give us a call. Phone number 812-NET-HAM-1. That's 812-638-4261. Or you can Skype us or tweet us. We're at HamTalkLive on Twitter as well as on Skype. Now we've we've come up with some more stuff, and one of the things that uh, that Bart just mentioned uh, are some of those public service announcements uh, that the ARL has. And, and David, you've got a, a couple of new ones. We did. Uh, we created uh, new um, uh, both audio and video PSAs, which are actually on the. Uh, you can get, get to them right on the Field Day uh, website. Um, ARRL.org slash uh, field dash day. Um, if you scroll to the bottom of that page, you'll see the bullet point for uh, uh, for PSAs. And you can see both the 
30-second and 60-second audio and video PSAs that people can can download and, and provide to their uh, to their organizations or to to media outlets um, that might be using them. We also we were incredibly fortunate um, in the past year, and, and this isn't specifically Field Day related, but we had uh, Joe Walsh, the guitarist from the Eagles, did some uh, did some PSAs for us. He came to visit um, W1AW at uh, at ARRL headquarters. And um, he's a he's a tremendous, uh, you know, he's not only a great guitarist, but he's a great ham radio operator as well and has a tremendous collection of, uh, of vintage radio gear. Um, and he's also was very, uh, um, very kind to uh, to ARRL and to W1AW. So he he gave up his time to, to do some PSAs for us. And those are up on uh, on the ARRL website as well. If we wanted to wanted to listen to those. All right. Very good. So be sure to check those out. And, uh, we do have a couple of, uh, questions coming in. We've got a whole list of things we can talk about, but, uh, let's get to, uh, everybody's, uh, questions here first. Um, this one comes in from, um, Casey five FM. Uh, what's the deal with FEMA region 10 having an exercise on 60 meters during field day, Bart? Well, funny you should ask. Uh, that was mentioned to me uh, in passing. It's an activity that we're discussing right now for potentially for next year. Uh, we haven't worked out the details of how it might be conducted. Uh, again, the 60-meter uh, uh, allocation is just five channels, so it's not a field day designated frequency range. But if uh, some sort of arrangement uh, in conjunction with um, FEMA and a couple of other agencies uh, might be able to be established, who knows? We might be able to introduce some sort of an event uh, tying uh, amateur radio operators to, um, oh, I guess for no better example, but to, to have some means of collecting information from these uh, FEMA groups uh, I don't know if they're going to to do bulletins that we would copy, or they might do transmissions. It's just it's it's in its infancy right now. Uh, anything I I offer at this point would be conjecture because it's got a long way to go, and uh, and I don't necessarily know uh, what our role might be. But uh, that was one of the it's it's come up for conversation at the moment. Okay, very good. And I hadn't heard about that one so. Lloyd's out there keeping track of all that stuff. 812-638-4261 is the phone number, or give us a tweet. Um, and uh, let us hear from you. We do have uh, one other one that I shared with you guys earlier um, from Ed, DD5LP. Uh, since it's 2 o'clock in the morning, he he didn't want to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning to listen to the show. So he said his uh, question ahead of time and says, given that so many smaller ham fests are having difficulty attracting attendees, where field day continues to attract both young and old hams and non-hams, uh, what do the experts think about maybe combining these two club-organized activities into one and have a local ham fest at the contest site, uh, either 
you know, coinciding with field day or, or maybe another contest. Um, some ham fests in Australia are still referred to as field days, so maybe they're trying to tell us something. Well, it certainly is a suggestion, and I think, you know, with the continuing challenge that our our hobby and community has in um, generating enough free time for what we want to do with all the other demands on people's lives from work to family to other um, society activities that they're engaged in, uh, sometimes the question that comes up is, do we hold any event? And I'm not talking about ARL. I'm talking about these these org- these amateur groups in general who've had their field day, if you, if you will, flea markets, or they've had some other social events, and the turnout is limited, and they're saying, why should we bother? You know, it really does beg the question, what if we were to start combining activities? And and I will, uh, you know, sort of make that as the foreign focus for right now. If, if they're having a problem or, or a challenge attracting uh, um, people, uh, you know, getting getting people interested, bringing them out. Uh, you know, certainly if we use the ARL Field Day example, it's it's the largest activity we have annually. And since we track participants as a part of our reporting, we're talking about 35, 36,000 participants. You know, by far just blows the numbers off of anything else that goes on in in uh, United States and and probably foreign amateur radio as well. So again, if these foreign uh, communities, organiz- amateur radio uh, or groups, organizations are having a problem attracting um, people to, to join them, uh, and if they've got two or three individual activities that have low turnouts and you can get maybe a larger turnout out of a single one, you know, what's the harm? Nothing ventured, nothing gained. You know, try it, see what happens. Uh, I'll offer one twist, and I know that this is happening maybe even more so this year than others. There are clubs across the country where they found getting enough attendance for field day was challenging, so some of them have decided to reach out to neighboring clubs who might have done an individual activity in the past and said, hey, how about we do a group activity? And I think you're going to find that on the air during this field day where there is now maybe even more so, and if you look at the QST results, you'll see this, you'll see the names of clubs concatenated together because they've grouped as two or three or four, even five or more organizations deciding to do a group field day rather than individually. Hmm. Yeah, hey, uh, we, Neil, we had that here. Yeah. Yeah, Neil, I want to uh, you know, sort of follow up on what Bart said. I think, I think there are some things that maybe Hamfest and others can look at um, at what field day does. I think part of it is because field day you know, we keep talking about this and, and it's in our, you know, our promo messages and things, but it really is ham radios open house. You know, we pay particular attention to inviting public and we have, um, you know, the, the go to get on the air stations, um, set up a, a lot of, you know, a lot of clubs are setting those up as part of, as part of field day. So I think, um, you know, just a reminder that, you know, to be as, as open and as welcoming to the general public um, as you can and let them know that that's an open house. I think that's part of the reason for Field Day's success is because we really put a lot of effort into inviting the public to come. And that that may be something that folks doing, you know, smaller ham fest might look at to make sure that they're 
that they're really reaching out to the general public and not just to their, um, not just to, to amateur radio operators. And, and I told you guys before <laughs> the contester says in me says, no, <laughs> you got to run that score up, you know, uh, you, you, you got to win. And, and, you know, for some people, this is the only chance to do a, a you know, a multi multi contest. And, and so, you know, you've got that too, but the thing is there's, there's room for all of this and it, and it, what works in one place may not work in another. And Neil, yeah. keeping in mind that field day is not a contest, uh, but secondarily, it's you have to. Each group has to ask themselves, uh, both from the perspective of what are we going to do socially, amateur radio wise, and what are we going to do community wise. Is when you're doing your planning, you have to ask yourself, and these this is the maybe the first question to ask: Is it going to be about the journey, or is it going to be about the the end result destination? And how do we define those two pieces for what we're going to do? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I've gotten into those discussions before of, you know, is it a contest? Is it not a contest? Yeah, okay, I know it's not a contest, but there's still a score, you know. And so, you know, the, the other people use this as a social event. And, and, and that, you know, and like I said, I think it, it really comes down to what, like you said, what do you want to get out of this? What is your what is your goal? And, and so there's, there's all kinds of opportunities here. And I think uh, actually, you know, I will say, uh, uh, if we got time, but I, sure. I think we're in a, you know, amateur radio is actually in a great spot right now at the current time to, um, to increase our awareness and to, to bring more people from the general public into amateur radio with everything that we, that we went through last year with all of the natural disasters that occurred. Um, and, and they were terrible things. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't mean to, you know, to make, you know, minimize how terrible things were in, in Puerto Rico and in Houston um, and the wildfires in California and, and all the things going on. But it did raise awareness of the role that amateur radio plays in that. Um, and so I think it, it did pique a lot of people's interest in amateur radio. And so that we're finding that now when you talk to people about amateur radio, they have more awareness and understanding than, than we've seen in the general public in some time. Yeah, and that's, that's always a good thing. Okay, we've got a couple of more tweets here. Uh, Laura Goudreau tweeted back uh, with Lloyd and, and us and said that uh, we are opening the 60-meter interoperability net at the direct request of several amateur operators so they can practice on the weekend, uh, but they are running the net a little earlier in the day um, so that there's a, only a two-hour overlap, and that, again, that was at their d- direct request of several hams so it looks like they are trying to to have that opportunity there for people who can who can do that and and keep the overlap down to a minimum so just a little follow-up there on that 812-638-4261 is the telephone number or tweet us at ham talk live we've uh been enjoying uh some questions here and some comments tonight on on twitter so uh keep them coming here um 
Bart, one of the things that seems to always come up is, is what class should we be? Um, you know, a lot of the club stations, they're used to that, but especially home stations. So can you run down some of those harder to figure out and maybe not as used classes uh, so that people know what how they should classify their stations and setups? Absolutely. So we want to keep the the explanation simplistic to begin with. And the way to do that is to write down on a piece of paper the letters A, B, C, D, E, F. So uh, when, you're design- when you're figuring what your field day exchange, your designation is going to be, you start with those letters, and then you figure out how many transmitters you're going to have used simultaneously. If you're a home station, generally it's just one transmitter. And finally, it's your ARL section. So if I'm a home station and I'm in Connecticut and I'm going to use one transmitter, I know that my category is D for a a home station on commercial power. And I know that if my home station is going to use a battery or solar-powered or um, a generator or hydrogen-powered or wind-powered, it's going to be under emergency power, and the category for that is E. So we've just taken care of home stations either D, commercial, or E, um, emergency power. Uh, working our way backward, uh, you've got C, and C is exclusively for stations that move. So it's a mobile station, generally just one transmitter, so one C, and then you report the section that you're currently in while you're traveling. Uh, working our way backwards, we've got B stations, and A and B are interchangeable only in the number of participants. So a B station is a portable station, is not at home. It has no access to the conveniences of a home station. It doesn't have access to the antennas, the radio equipment that's in the home station hooked up and ready to go. It doesn't have access to the facilities of a home, such as the kitchen, the sleeping arrangements, the bathroom. A, a and B are portable stations, and the idea is, the, these is this is not a convenient way to set up in your backyard. This is about getting out into the wilderness, uh, operating from a park, operating from a fire station, operating from a the, the municipal center, uh, operating from a mountaintop, operating from a farmer's field. These are all portable uh, uh, locations that are unassociated with any formal uh, otherwise radio station location. Carrying that on, the difference between a B station and an A station is a B station is limited to two participants. So an operator and a helper is two participants. Two operators is two participants. Two operators and a helper moves it to class A. Class A is three or more participants. The typical club or, or larger field day group is going to be an A station. So then once they know that they are either in A or B as a portable operation, they figure out how many transmitters they're going to have in simultaneous use. That'll be the number preceding the alphabetical character. And finally, uh, their ARRL section is the last part of the exchange. So, um, for example, if they're operating portable with 10 people and they're in uh, western Massachusetts, and they're going to have three transmitters on the air, their exchange will be 3A Massachusetts, or 3A, uh, I'm sorry, Western Massachusetts. The 3A WMA. Um, What did we forget? Uh, Class F. 
Class F is EOC stations. These are stations that have formal uh, arrangements with an EOC. They may be operating from an EOC. They may have a mobile unit that is provided by the EOC and has a formal uh, arrangement to use the mobile station in some capacity. You know, if they if they have this great relationship with their own EOC and they say, hey, we have an exercise coming up, we'd like to be able to use your mobile unit, may we have your permission to use that in conjunction with the EOC, they get that in writing and they document it, and they are then an EOC station. And the same is true. The number of transmitters in their section completes their exchange. Okay, so there you have the rundown and the and the clarifications of uh, all those classes, so you know what to do. But you know, again, most home stations, if you're just plugging into the wall, one delta, one uh, d, and and then to, go to, from there. To supplement that, uh, Neil, one one additional piece. Some people say, well, what if we're a three a b or we are a some sort of a uh, concatenated. Uh, uh, sta- uh, class, and the, what they're confusing is the QST listings with the actual on-the-air transmissions. The on-the-air transmissions are the single alphabetical character. How we show stations in QST after the event uh, is further defines their uh, how they operated. If they were a a commercially powered portable station, they might see something like three AC or. 2BC, uh, 2BC, for example, a portable station on commercial power, they might see 2B, 1B, which happens to be uh, two transmitters, uh, which, I'm sorry, 2B, 2B, for example, would be two transmitters, uh, portable operation, two participants on battery. So these extended class designations are only in the published results. They're not what you use for your over-the-air uh, exchange. Very, very good, uh, Bart. Thank you for for clarifying on that. Eight one two six three eight four two six one is the phone number, or tweet us at Ham Talk Live. We're we're starting to run out of time here. Uh, we may go a little bit over tonight, but uh, we'll we'll get some other things in here as we can. But if you have a question, please uh, give us a call. Give us a tweet here real soon because we're just about uh, to end the program here this evening um but uh, again we'll we'll keep going here uh and in fact we may uh, we may do the the short version here the, the the reader's digest version of these uh do you need to register before you you operate bart negative uh you just uh, and it's especially important for home stations. You just get on the air, you operate, you understand what your exchange is, and you go ahead and make contacts. Groups that would like to invite the public can use the field day locator to um, attract the public's attention. And by the way, we have 1,504 field day sites currently registered. Wow. Wow, that's a lot. And and let's talk about modes. I did say you know we were going to talk about FT eight later, so let let's get that in. Any restriction on modes? And let's let's focus on FT eight because there is a little different way you need to do that. Sure. So to begin, um, all all amateur radio modes are permitted in field day. That doesn't mean they'll be easy to use, but it means that they're permitted. Now, if you carry that forward, and obviously the digital realm is now where we have the 
you know, it's the latest, it's the new, it's exciting. Uh, we've got newcomers whose motivations are more digital than analog. So, you know, step forward to FT8 for the moment. Um, we didn't put uh, any significant promotion into FT8. In fact, we were more reactive than proactive. And the reason is, is because FT8 right now is not designed to be able to support multiple different uh, exchanges uh, in normal operation. In other words, signal reports and some other component. It's basically set up under the premise of grid squares. So an RST and a grid square is the typical uh, reports that you will see on FT8, most often at HF FT8. Uh, certainly the VHF contesters will tell you that FT8 has a place in what they do. There is a specific mode called North America Contest Mode. Uh, it's unique in that it only exchanges grid squares. Uh, that's not typically what you're going to find during this field day, but just be aware that if you start seeing information that looks a little weird, like a grid square that's on the opposite side of the Earth, during the exchange, um, it probably means that one of you is on the standard FT8 and the other one's got the North America contest mode enabled, and either one of you needs to toggle that off to, to, to be able to do that part of the handshake. But keep in mind that the field day exchange that's required is the transmitter count, the class, and the section. Now, how do you do that in the current FT8, which defaults to grid squares? Um, Joe Taylor and, and his group point out in one of their FAQs for FT8 that the TX5 sequence, so you got TX1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. In the TX5 sequence, normally used for 73, you've got up to 13 characters of free text that can be used. So if you are uh, using it during field day um, and wonder how you can exchange the required field day information, put it in TX5, so you'd say 3AWMA73, uh, and you hope that the other station gives you a similar TX5 response. If they don't, you can't count them as a, as a uh, statistical QSO for field day. That doesn't mean you can't have fun with it, doesn't mean you can't experiment with it, doesn't mean you can't demonstrate it to other people, um, and it doesn't mean you can't be using it in some fashion, but you just can't count the QSOs that don't have the valid exchange. Okay, very good. Well, Bart, we're going to give you a, a minute breather here. Uh, David, let's talk about the soapbox a little bit and uh, and some thank you letters. Sure. Um, yeah, the the soapbox is a great opportunity for people to to get information out there, and that's um, it's on the the ARR ARRL website um, ARRL dot org slash contest slash soapbox. Um, that should get you, uh, that should get you to it. And it gives you a chance to put, put comments on. Um, I want to spend most of my time, um, though, uh, talking about thank you letters. And I think that's, that's important. I wouldn't say letter. I mean, I would do email notes, but, um, but obviously, um, just like you would thank the volunteers who came out to help you, um, with the setup and with running your, um, your station for, for, for field day, you should send um, notes to all of the um, uh, to any media that shows up at your uh, at your event. You know, thank them for coming out. Um, I would also say that if you that if the um, to go back um, even a little further, when media show up at your field day, make sure that you're there to welcome them. Make sure that there's somebody designated um, to greet them, to kind of take them around and 
and help them understand what they're looking at because they may not they may not be aware they've seen your your email or your press release but they um, and they're going to cover it and they just don't know what they're what they're looking at so they'll need some guidance and some help when they get there so make sure that you're you have somebody designated to help them um, explain what you're doing why you're doing it and um, and and give them some information about about your field day operations um, and then once once that airs, I would send a you know an email note to thank them for uh, for coming out and for helping to uh, to increase the visibility of, of amateur radio. And that's a that's a great way is um, kind of go back to what we were saying at the beginning. It's a great way to start establishing relationships with folks in, in the media um, when they when you send them a thank you note, they appreciate that. And then they may you know get back in touch with you about something else later on. So. Um, so I think, you know, sending a, a note and I would do it primarily by email. Um, um, you could, you know, do a, a handwritten note if you if you were so inclined, but um, it's pretty hard to find um, how to make sure that that gets to the right person where email, you, at least, you know, it will get exactly who, to who you're sending it. Um, so I would uh, I would encourage that. And um and that's that's how that's how great relationships start. So I think uh, those are those are important things to do. All right, Bart. One last thing here, and in fact, Troy uh, W nine KVR uh, just brought this up on the chat here about the go to station. We haven't talked about the freebies here, so everybody likes free stuff. So let's talk about the freebies for a minute. Sure. Did Troy have any specific question about Goder? Just general. No, just just a comment. It's a good opportunity to add a radio to your regular ops, and so you know you you can get some yep. some youth ops on and and that kind of thing. Exactly. So the Goder station is free. Um, you don't get too many things in life that are free, and and certainly in field day, it's our free. Uh, here's a way to uh, provide a station that the public that inactive hams that newcomers uh, newly licensed hams uh, youth can have an opportunity to sit down at and not feel the pressure of i have to make contacts because that's why we have the stations these other stations set up this station is exclusively there for them to uh... get the amateur radio experience firsthand uh... it's an opportunity for uh... because there is a control operator who is in charge it's an opportunity for any person, licensed or unlicensed, to sit down and understand the experience of making these contacts. Um, we have an example that we showed in a photo in QST last year in the uh, in the field day write-up where we had one of the elected representatives of, uh, in the Carolinas, a lady, who was operating at that field day site. She wasn't licensed. Uh, she was a U.S. representative, and she wanted to find out more about amateur radio, and they sat her down, and they put her on the air, and uh, she had a great time. They got a photo op. It was terrific. So the go-to station is a way to earn points for your field day activity. Um, every 20 contacts generates 20 bonus points, up to 100 bonus points uh, per uh, individual. And uh, so you can chuck up those points uh, quite readily. Uh, again, it's in increments of 20, so 19 doesn't earn you anything, but uh, certainly 20, 20 does as well as increments of 20. Uh, we also have a free VHF-UHF station, so it does not count in your transmitter count. 
So you decide, you know, do we really need another station? Well, guess what? It doesn't count against you. It's it's free. And frankly, um, if anybody's been paying attention to the VHF bands right now, uh, we had the VHF contest uh, just a weekend ago, and uh, um, uh, the activity was uh, was was boom. I'm sorry, two weekends ago, the activity was booming. Uh, six meters uh, for a better part, half of the uh, the U.S. North America, mostly the, on the eastern side, was racking up contacts. Some of these stations had hundreds of contacts, and uh, and two meters has prevent uh, presented e-skip in the last couple of days. So you know, field day stations scattered across the U.S. Uh, it's it's often like a VHF contest, and so you will find activity on two meter sideband. Uh, two-meter digital modes, uh, MSK-144 for meteor scatter, FT-8 as well, on uh, two meters as well as six meters, six meters, 50.313, uh, two meters about uh, 144, 140 or so, uh, between 140 and 150. And so, again, free stations, six meters may actually generate more contacts than 10 meters does, and 10 meters may be open. So don't rule out these, these higher bands. They will be... Um, uh, activity uh, uh, places for your station, and again, don't. Uh, and Neil, I don't know. Do you want me to touch on the bonuses quickly? Yeah, let's do. Let's do it real quick. So you have a number of bonuses. Uh, starting at the VHF side, you've got the satellite bonus for making uh, a satellite contact. You've got the emergency power bonus for stations that are running that. You've got uh, the media publicity that David talked about. If you're in a public location, you get a bonus for that. If you have a public information table with information about amateur radio, somebody being the focal point, like the person that David mentioned who would uh, greet the, the media or the public and, be, and take them one-on-one and explain to them why we're there. Uh, a formal uh, national traffic system message to the SM or SEC is a bonus for that one message if you generate it from your field day site and send it out. Uh, the W1A to copying the W1AW field day message, which is sent it several times during the event. Look in our field day packet and you'll see the entire schedule of field day bulletins. Uh, formal messages. Your group can handle up to 10 formal messages. Sending them or passing them, in other words, being a relay, or receiving them for up to 100 additional points. Natural power QSOs. Uh, if you make up to five natural power QSOs, you get a bonus. So this would be a source other than your generator. This would probably be a solar panel. This would be a wind generator, uh, things of that nature. But five QSOs have to be made with it. You get, you'll get additional points. Uh, if you get an elected official visit, you'll get a bonus. If you've invited serve agencies officials, not that they showed up, but if even if it, if you have invited them, and I should have said that under the elected official as well, you don't have to expect them to show up. You just have to invite them. You'll get a bonus just for taking that act. Uh, educational activity. Um, if you have uh, you, and you want this bonus, you need to develop a program, a limited. Uh, 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 scope, uh, probably just a, a short uh, summary of what you plan to do, administer it. This needs to be something more than 10 minutes, you know, probably talking 30 to 60 minute activity on something that would help them gain knowledge about certain aspects of amateur radio, building antennas, uh, setting up a, um, 
oh, I don't know, setting up a, a, a digital station for maybe D-Star, or maybe uh, some people have suggested, how do I get involved in amateur TV? Um, uh, I've suggested that the educational activity could be a training with uh, first uh, for uh, first aid or AED training uh, in conjunction with the safety officer. Uh, again, we talked about social media. We have a safety officer bonus as well, uh, somebody who's responsible or a couple people who will oversee the uh, the entire event to maintain a a safety outlook, a safety perspective. Uh, and, and not last, but uh, certainly not least, uh, youth participation. The number of youth who completed at least one QSO, there are bonuses for youth participation. And, you know, we've... We've been amateurs for a long time, many of us, and we realize that we're not seeing as many young people. You know, reach out to people who you know are interested in amateur radio. Get them involved. Uh, if you can engage their family, bring them to the field aid site. Uh, be their mentor. Uh, that's probably one of the primary uh, focuses for amateur radio right now is we need more mentors. And uh, uh, that's what we had, you know, decades ago. We've kind of lost sight on that. And if we can now return to that, mentoring is probably going to be one of the strengths of, of helping people find their way either into amateur radio, back into amateur radio, and even through it as a new licensee versus they get the license and then they don't go anywhere because they don't know what to do next. All right. Well, there you have the quick version of that. Of course, all of that can be found in the field day packet and uh, in uh, in QST magazine as well. So, uh guys thanks so much for coming on and uh we appreciate you taking all of the questions and and putting together some stuff to to talk about and and get people ready to go for field day this weekend thank you very much neil for the opportunity going to be an exciting time neil thousands of hams are going to be engaged these are the people that don't necessarily engage socially in amateur radio any other time of the year maybe they're housebound you know they're 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 older hams now who just don't have necessarily the opportunity to get out but they still find their way to field day and i've been working on field day as the program has gone on because i'm doing the the three hour long windows update on the laptop so <laughs> we've been multitasking tonight we let the, the windows update run and so we're for a logging computer we're ready to go so looking forward to it i'll be uh operating under k9iu's auspices this weekend at field day uh we'll be over at uh, the indiana university campus doing that with the high school group as well and some others so uh Hopefully, uh, we'll hear you all on the air. So that is a wrap for this week's edition of Ham Talk Live. Thanks to my guests, Bart Yonke, W9JJ, David Isker, N1RSN, and everybody out there in cyberspace for listening and for writing in tonight. And invite you all back next Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Marty Solway, KC1CWF, will be here with some of the Baker Island de-expedition team, and if everything gets set up right, yes, we're going to come to you live from Baker Island next week, so you don't want to miss that. And a list of our upcoming guests is always at hamtalklive.com. So um, I'm going to let you all go. Thanks for staying a little longer tonight. And this is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, saying 7375. Have a great field day weekend. And as always, may the good DX be yours. 